Welcome to the Pilates Podcast, a podcast and community for all movement lovers, instructors, and anyone who simply adores their core. We chat about all things movement, teaching, health, and much, much more. Our mission is simple, to get you moving and feeling inspired by sharing our own knowledge as well as bringing on guest speakers. Wherever and however you are listening, we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Pilates podcast. I'm back in the studio with Anika and we are going to have a bit of a chat today just about a few questions that we've had come through our Instagram and email platform. So morning Anika. Good morning Lutia, so happy to have you back. It's good to be back, I apologise for last week, things just got a little bit busy and I was pretty much just felt like I was treading water last week. I even had a sick day off Cairo. Just going to put that out, honest. Yeah, it's good. We all have them. And I was very much happy to pick up the reins. You've done it for me a couple of times. So that's why we have each other's backs. We're a good team. Good. Our first question is, how do I initiate conversations and interest in a studio, even when there isn't a role advertised? Personally, I suppose that's kind of how I got into Pilates. I was attending a studio on a regular basis and just, I just was there kind of all the time. And I was in my corporate job and I decided that I wanted to study Pilates. So I just questioned the studio manager and owner about where he studied and how he kind of went about it. So that was kind of initiating that I was interested in studying and becoming an instructor. And fortunately he was super keen on helping me and guiding me through that and setting me up with Polster Pilates and then giving me the space in the studio to practice as well. And from then he just pretty much said, like, let's organize the time to have a class for you and you can run one. Of course, I got the Saturday mornings and an evening class on a Wednesday to start off with. But it was exactly what I wanted and I just made it work within my weekly adventures. It was like a foot in the door for you. Like it was you yeah. kind of hung around like a little fly on the wall, I guess. And you were around, you were there, you could take things, you took that Saturday morning rather than being like, oh, that doesn't suit me because I want to be able to go out with my girlfriends. Like you still made it a priority for that point in your life and you knew that you wanted to do it. So you just were there, you did classes as well. So they know that you're interested, like you asked the right questions. And I think it's totally just about being someone that is genuinely interested and that you're showing up and you're not just sending a text or a you know an email or an Instagram message because face-to-face contact is so so important always but especially when you're in a big city or you're competing with people that are going in and they're doing classes or you know they might be someone that has been a client at that studio that you really really want to teach at for years already so their face is already in those instructors minds so yeah I would say the same as you like get in there and get classes and even if it's not a studio that is like your ideal one like start with something like you 
the first few that I taught at, well, that my first one was amazing, but my second one was probably more just to build up on hours. Like it definitely wasn't my ideal scenario or my ideal times or anything like that. But yeah, you've got to take what you can get when you're starting off. Yeah, definitely. I think it's about being present and being curious. And if you're yeah, exactly genuinely curious and interested, people are going to want you to be a part of their studio as well. If you have that energy and that positivity around being an instructor and exactly with being physically there and going in face-to-face contact, that is what my mum always said to me. If you want that job, you write that cover letter and you walk that in there yourself. Do not email it. Do not drop it off. It has to be personal. And you can't be handheld. Like I guess we're making this podcast because they are a lot of these questions are from new instructors and people that are trying to get their foot in the door, but you, we can't be there, you know, pepping you up outside the studio, getting you to go in. Like you've got to put on your big gal panties and walk on in and talk to them and whatever it is. Like it can be tricky, but you'll get better and better at it. And you, you know, by being there, if they want to, if there's no job advertised yet, they can see you would be such a good fit for them. They might be like, hey, we've got one class. Would you want to teach it? And from there, it might grow. Don't think about it as being, oh, they only want me to teach one class. Like that is such a huge thing for a studio to open up even a time slot where they've got their clients coming through that potentially don't go to anyone else's classes. They might go just to yours and then you know, that's what they see of their business. So it's a, it's a big comp- compliment towards you. I suppose this leads on to one of our other questions too, like how hard is it to transition from full-time work to Pilates? And in relation to like my situation, because I had that Wednesday evening and that Saturday morning, yes, it added a lot into my schedule for the week, but I was still able to continue my full-time job and then still make my classes around those hours of that kind of nine to five. So I think it's just looking at your schedules and looking at where you have time that you can put aside to put towards Pilates so that it can be built. And then maybe you can transition down to part-time and take on more classes. And then eventually you can maybe transition from your part-time corporate job into full-time Pilates. But I, I, probably wouldn't suggest just dropping everything and going into full-time Pilates. It's a lot to take on physically and mentally. And I think you need to slowly transition into that lifestyle as much as it's super fun teaching classes. And we both get so much energy from teaching. It's, there's a whole role on effect of like exhaustion that you don't really kind of think about until you're in it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And I think like we spoke with Nadia about this, how it can look very glamorous and very, oh, they don't work that hard. You know, they teach their morning classes, they go out for coffee and then that's, you know, their day done. Like it's not, and that's not how it works. So I think it's so important for you. I personally didn't do this transition and like Lutia, you're definitely our corporate to Pilates queen, but it's, from what I can see from even what you did or from other people I know, like if you have a little taste of it and first of all, like any new job, you've got to make sure you actually want to do it. And I think that also is another question of 
you know, someone loving Pilates and they're not really sure if they should leave their corporate job that they kind of like to go and start a career in Pilates just because they enjoy the practice. Like you've got to know there's a, you know, there's a difference between loving going to your Saturday class every morning with your girlfriends and having coffee afterwards versus leaving your, you know, very stable financially, you know, flourishing career to go and start again in Pilates. So like, you've got to have that slow, slow little transition over so that you can feel like, okay, yeah, this is actually what I want to do. Whereas you might do two or three classes and you go, wow, teaching is so different to just sitting in a class and enjoying this as my own practice. Because I know many people that have done that. And I've even had phases where I have wished I worked a nine to five and could do Pilates morning and night for my own practice like it's you've got to you've got to love it so much more than just the movement there's there's a lot more to it and yeah it's to build that full-time career that maybe you're trying to replace it takes a while it's not going to be instant in most cases and I think it has to be yes you need to love Pilates for yourself and in your own body but it has to have that added on of you want to be able to share the message and of Pilates and be able to gift that to other people and be confident in sharing that with other people. Like the biggest thing for me at the moment with my teaching is I have this beautiful elderly lady who comes to my classes at 8.45 on Tuesdays and the Thursdays. And she is just so happy over the last two weeks that she's able to move more. And she knows that she's not going to be 21 years of age anymore. She's admitted that, but she is just over the moon and has the biggest smile on her face because she's just getting more movement and that's enough for her. And it's just like, that's the reason why I teach because I want to be able to facilitate that for people and get them to just, even if they're touching their knees, yeah. <laughs> that's better than getting all the way to their toes or just something little. It's just, it doesn't have to be the biggest advanced exercise that they get to. It's just creating ease and movement and flow into their body. Yeah, no, I love that. That's so exciting. And I've, I've definitely had many clients like that too. And even I think sometimes it, I know for me in Melbourne studios, like I ended up getting to a very different stage in my teaching that I actually didn't really love when I was only teaching people that were super, super fit. They could do all of the exercises. I had to think of how hard I could possibly work them. And I didn't really deal with many injuries or pregnancies or elderly clients. Like I didn't, all of that was almost taken out for me. And I realized that that was what I loved. I actually loved teaching beginners and people that needed the movement and were amazed by the movement rather than just seeing it as a, you know, form of exercise. Cause it's so much more to me than that. Um, and I guess kind of stemming on from that question, like how, well, the question was how many classes a week do most instructors teach? And that's, I guess, when you are transitioning from corporate to Pilates, you've got to keep in mind that you might be going to a Pilates class and you happen to see the same teacher every time. And therefore you think, oh, they work here full time or they make full time hours or whatever it is. And for every teacher, it's going to be so, so different. I've had jobs where I've taught 
you know, 25 classes a week. I've had jobs where I've taught 40 classes a week. I've had jobs where I've taught five classes a week. Like it's, it's so, so variable. And it's one, it's got to be what the studio actually needs you to do as well as what you personally choose to take on. So for example, when I was teaching the five classes a week, it was because I was still pretty new to it and I wasn't ready. And the studio probably knew as well. I wasn't ready to be teaching a larger amount of classes because five is also still a lot. Like if you're doing one a day or, you know, you've got a day where you do two and then two at night or something like that. But I was also teaching dance at that point. So for me, it was enough. But when I stepped it up to 25, it was because I actually did go, okay, I'm not going to do anything else. Pilates is what I want to do. I'm going to put everything into this. But you've got to remember that 25 hours of teaching also had cleaning and mind body, you know, reception work and a lot more on top of that, that was contributing to what would be a full-time role. So yeah, think even ask, maybe don't ask them what they're doing, like how many hours they're teaching, but you probably can figure it out for yourself. If you see the same instructor on the timetable a lot, you might be able to recognize that, okay, maybe they're a super experienced teacher. That's why they've got this amount of classes, maybe ask them what they started with when they were first out of their course. Mm. Um, I think most instructors would be open to have a conversation. Yeah, I think so. I would hope so. If you came to me and asked me questions, well, I'd probably chew your ear off for a half an hour. So Yeah, (laughs) we'd take you out for coffee. (laughs) Really? I did that the other week, actually. It was nice. Um, How many classes are you actually teaching at the moment? Oh, because best friend, I don't even know. <laughs> um, because of live classes, I'm teaching about 10 classes a week at the moment. But then that is also because the studio is obviously closed. There's still a lot of admin and, you know, business ideas, I guess, that I'm working on. And there's things to do with Upside that make it still definitely a busy time in life. But when I'm actually in the studio, it would be closer to maybe like 15 or 16 classes but that is also shared with my business partner so we're pretty lucky that we can um, have each other to work around and then there's also all of the business side of the admin and I've got a lot more hats in upside than I've ever had teaching before I've managed studios before but even then I didn't have this amount of you know roles to play Mm. yeah yeah I'm teaching 11 classes a week and then do a few hours of admin and content and stuff on the side as well. Yeah. That's my other job. Yeah. And you've got Cairo. So, but for you, like, I guess that's another side of it is that if you do have a job, like say Lutia has Cairo, I've also, even with Upside, I still work at an organic grocer days a week because I love it and I love being there. And, you know, there will unfortunately come a day that I, time-wise cannot be there but we both have other jobs that fill us up and make us I guess they appeal to our other you know holistic health and passion side so even though we both teach we both still have something else going on so don't be fooled thinking that you know all we do is sit down and do podcasting and teaching classes every day because that's not the actual reality like it's And for most instructors, it won't be. They might look on Instagram like they're living this glamorous, 
oh, I'm posting a video and I'm sharing all this content and this is how good it is. But, you know, they've been up since 5am. They've been teaching their classes. They're probably binging Netflix. Like there's so much more that you don't see like with anything that you've just got to keep in mind, especially when you're starting, be kind on yourself. Don't, don't go from, think you have to go from zero to a hundred and yeah, it, you will burn out as well. Take it, take it slow. Take it slow. Yes. I think we need to listen to our own advice because we're busy gals. (laughs) And I think when we started, like I definitely went from zero to a hundred and I loved that I did because I learned so much in that very first year of teaching, but just be careful that you don't, I guess, take on too much too soon. Yeah, absolutely. Just stepping back a little bit, like onto your on cl- online classes, um, what's your thoughts about what's going to happen post-COVID? Do you think there's still going to be a demand? I definitely hope so. I'm just going to butt in because I hope so because I have been loving the fact that I have access to other studios and other instructors classes online (laughs) and I hope it sticks around because I'm pretty much isolated in Darwin (laughs) Uh, yes 100% I can you know I can't speak for other studios but based on the few other studio owners I have spoken to Yes, like it's the world, the game has changed. The, the way that we do things in so many areas of life has changed and that is also 100% for studios and Pilates and gyms going to change. And I think what that might look like um, for most studios anyway is that they will have, you know, the normal studio facility, they'll have the classes, they'll have all of that but they'll also have their online platform now and they'll probably continue to do that, whether that's pre-recorded or lives, whatever it is that they choose to do and that they can, you know, have the staff and the time and the resources to do that. Um, We will definitely continue to do things online just because of the reach that we have and the people that we now have within our community or, you know, our virtual community that wouldn't otherwise get to the studio. And it's sort of something that even pre-COVID, we both decided we would always have an online side of things. We just didn't think it would happen in our first year of business. We thought it would be, you know, maybe a year down the track, we'll bring in an online platform. So it's just kind of sped up the process for Upside. But I think it'll definitely stay on. A lot of people have cancelled, or not by choice, but cancelled their memberships in gyms, in studios. And, you know, I hope that they go back and support those businesses, even if it is maybe in their online platform sense. But a lot of people are also loving, or a lot of mums or people that work from home are realising they can set up their home gym or their home studio and still have the kids, you know, whether it's homeschooling or whether they're young enough that they'd be at home with them anyway and they wouldn't otherwise be able to get out of their house. They're finding that their mental and their physical health has never been better because they have so many options now to do or to put them first or to have some of like their own me time, I guess. And even for us, like what we were, or what you were saying, Luke, like it's so exciting for us to be able to do other studios or people that I have followed on Instagram or places I've been in travels, you know, in Australia and, loved the studio but have never been able to go back to since and now I can 
in my you know spare time I can do those classes or like we've both did a class with shaman last weekend and or the weekend before and it's it's I think it's amazing the people that you can reach with your teaching and Uh, that that will go on post you know after all of this yeah I think it will never take away the face-to-face contact within a studio because as you kind of were speaking to um Sarah about it like it's that experience people come for that experience and a lot of people really enjoy that however it's kind of opened up another world to a space in the industry that wasn't particularly looked at or known that you know the busy mums and the people who can't attend classes it's had given them so much more access and it's just filled a really big hole and I think it's amazing yeah and I think it both opens up to you know instructors that maybe maybe you are starting out or maybe you thought that you wanted to have your own studio but of course there's a lot more involved in that than maybe setting up an online studio like I've been thinking about it if I was you know not a physical studio owner at the moment like that's totally what I think I would be doing and a lot of people are starting to do that especially since um, Victoria's gone back into lockdown again and you know it's happened twice now that they really are getting creative in this second lockdown and thinking okay well you know, post-COVID, I want to be able to travel and I want to be able to live a pretty, you know, free life as far as structuring time. Like, do I want to be teaching that many hours at a studio? And a lot of people have looked at that and they've actually started setting up their own online platform, which I definitely would encourage you to do if it's something that you're in the position to do and thinking about. Because, yes, you can then build your own I guess, virtual studio, like that's, you you can do that. And there's, you know, social media is huge and the internet is amazing for things like that. And people are constantly searching for new things. So I think that's pretty exciting too. Yeah. It just creates a bigger reach for everything. Yeah, totally. I guess stepping away from the COVID chat, because it's all we (laughs) tend to hear about at the moment, um, a big question has been you know how much does Instagram and how much does social media you know play when getting a job or applying for a job do people look at your social media do you know what should you be posting on social media as an instructor do you need a separate Instagram you know what what should we be doing in that sense and I'm gonna answer this pre- upside and also for now when I started teaching I had my very first little Instagram Pilates by Anika so fun (laughs) so good and I actually created it the week leading up to my face-to-face days of my course where I would complete my exam I knew I was coming out of it a Pilates teacher I made the Instagram handle. I posted a few cool photos. Well, they weren't that cool. And when I finished it, I actually used that. I didn't have a personal Instagram that I used. I just converted it into that handle. And so it meant that all of my content was then 
targeted more so at health and Pilates and all of that. And I loved it because for me, it was kind of a creative outlet. And at the time there weren't that many people on Instagram that were Pilates instructors or not in Melbourne anyway. Like it wasn't the, it wasn't the scene that it is now. So for me, it was a bit of fun. I definitely don't believe that it got me jobs or that it got me anything like it, you know, it built a community online for myself. Like I interacted with other instructors in the messages, but it definitely wasn't something that got me jobs. Like it, it wasn't, I could have not had it and I probably still would have worked where I did and, you know, went on the same path that I did. So that was kind of, you know, pre all of that. And then with upside, of course, for a business, I definitely believe it's an amazing marketing tool as well as creative. And, you know, you can post videos of the classes that you're going to be teaching, or you can kind of give people a snippet as to what your studio is and what your teaching style is. And they can almost sense your studio before they even go there, or they can distinguish if they see that being somewhere that they want to go. So I'm definitely all for it, but I also think that you need to have very very clear and healthy boundaries with social media and decide that just because you have your say business or pilates handle on instagram that that doesn't you know mean that you're just sitting there scrolling thinking that you're working like make make it clear and use it almost as a business tool if you're going to go down that road it's kind of more like a um a display of your work and your creativity and your teaching style not necessarily like kind of a resume in a way but it has to be added onto a physical resume and you also going in there like you can't just have this amazing aesthetically pleasing instagram and then rock up in like a messy bun and your pajamas like it has to go two and two you know what I mean like yeah. I wouldn't rely completely on the social media platform for getting that job or yeah applying for jobs I, I, totally in Melbourne and Sydney and you know big cities maybe it is a thing that they're now looking for and I mean we've not studied marketing or anything like that so feel free to correct us if we are wrong but I just don't see it as being how you get a job. I still, I think it's more like a byproduct or something that you choose to do in your spare time. I don't think that you have to have one. There was a question from a girl that's in a small town asking if she needed one. Um, if you, if it's like Mansfield where you know most people, you know, you bump into them, most people when you know them, you kind of know what they do for work. You know what's going on with them. You can have a chat about it. You can almost spread the word through word of mouth um, more so than necessarily social media. Then yeah, if you don't like social media, I don't, I don't see that you need to have it. Yeah. And like when we spoke to Nadia as well, like she uses it to keep in contact mm. and in alignment with her classes and yeah. her clients throughout the week kind of thing. Like it's an added on um, building rapport and kind of her personal brand as we spoke about yeah and I think at the moment naturally a lot of us maybe are going online a lot more and a lot of instructors are perhaps making accounts that they didn't previously have or posting a lot more and that's awesome um, I think that at the moment you definitely need that if it's helping you you know retain clients or 
work in that space. So we have both had a couple of chats with people, I guess, coming up into the industry or people that are starting out in their courses and they've both been very thought provoking um, and actually quite exciting that a few have started going on and doing little snippets of teaching, which is so good. Maybe it's like the boost that they needed. And I know that sometimes when you're starting out, you can totally spiral in your own head thinking, Oh my God, Oh my God, how do I start? How do I, you know, rip the bandaid off and go for it. Um, and a question that came up in a chat that I had with a girl who's just finished her studio Pilates mat course was for a lot of people, like, is it okay to just do reformer and not mat? And she had sort of wondered when she was signing up for hers, could I have just gone straight to reformer and skipped out on mat? And I think we're going to be pretty much same, same view on this one, but I believe, and I mean, it's not my belief, it is a Pilates belief that Matt, Matt came first or Matt transitions into reformer and the moves that you learn on the mat and that you teach on the mat, you then apply to reformer and then you, you know, exaggerate on that and learn more through reformer. So I think it's quite a natural progression to go from mat work into reformer. I haven't personally done it the other way around or just done reformer. So I can't comment on if it works or not. Um, but for me, like one, I'm so passionate about mat work that I think you're kind of missing out in a way if you don't do it. Mm-hmm. And I think as well that it, it does, even though most studios now are on the reformer bandwagon, it totally kind of limits your job opportunity and your job prospect. And I think that by starting with Matt, you can learn the basics, you can learn your anatomy and your teaching and all of that just on a mat work, maybe with a couple of props. The moment that you add a reformer in, no matter how comfortable you are personally on the reformer, it's a lot more to teach. It's a lot more going on. There's bodies on <laughs> machines that you've got to make sure aren't falling. Like there's, there's a lot more to juggle. And I think that I would encourage people to go from mat work and then feel comfortable in that progress to reformer and then maybe think about what else you want to add on in like bar or boxing or whatever. Yeah, definitely. I think I've heard of a few instructors like starting with reformer first and I reckon most of them have said after they've done reformer that they have then gone on to study mat just to kind of have a well rounded knowledge and everything as you said like it transfers from mat to reformer and reformer to mat like it's yeah I think it's a very good to have and I think as well that you know if suddenly depends on the studio that you're teaching in but I have had classes in reformer where it just wasn't working on the reformer and for a certain client I actually rolled out a mat and I would get them down on the floor doing it as mat work because that was what they needed for their body and that was what they needed at that point in their life and in their practice. So I think to be able to have that, even though, yes, you know, maybe you can figure it out or think about the exercise on the mat, I think it is such a good, solid way of starting out and going through that progression. And then I think she also asked, like, how to or what other courses to add. And I loved how excited she was. And I was definitely the same of thinking, oh my God, this is so good. Like what now? But I would also 
encourage you to stick to the course that you've done for a little bit enjoy that get your actual you know your queuing and your teaching and your rapport with clients and know what it's like to teach in a studio before you lash out and spend one more money and more time on a course um that may not even give you more job prospect like for sure if the studio that you're working at does teach bar yeah it might make sense to go and do your bar training once you feel comfortable enough teaching mat so Lucia, you've worked in a gym before as a Pilates instructor. This question is, do you need any other qualifications to work as a Pilates instructor in a gym setting? You are just operating underneath your MAT cert- certification, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, I was. I just had my Pilates um, certificate and I or qualification and I just used that and was able to teach in the gym. I'm not sure it might depend on other gyms whether they want you to have I don't know whether they want you to have PT training as well or something like that and other qualifications in my experience I just went in with my Pilates qualifications and that was fine I would assume again assuming um that it would be one like you said based on the gym and two probably in your scope of practice like sticking to what your qualification actually is so if you're advertising or you're working at a gym that says personal training sessions and you're teaching it with only a Pilates qualification, I'd say that that's not quite right. You would need to be in a PT background or whatever other qualification you may have. But if you're sticking to, yeah, like Matt work in a gym or some gyms even have reformers these days, then yeah, go for it. I don't see what would be holding you back, but just have a chat to the owners or, you know, when you're in your interview or, be just very very honest with the qualifications you do have and I'm sure that they will pull you up if you don't have enough and you can you know do your PT or whatever pretty quickly so if it's something you need to add that's going to give you more job prospect then for sure yeah I think the gym setting is definitely the same as the studio setting I'm not really sure what the difference would be Awesome. Well, I feel like we've answered a lot of different questions. If you do still have any others, we're happy to answer them either in another podcast like this, if you enjoyed it, or perhaps just message us on our Instagram or send us an email and we can talk about it directly in your circumstance or in your situation. Thank you for listening and we will be back next week with another episode. Good to have you back, Lute. I missed having you around last week. Great to be back with Sarah's interview. It was awesome. I loved listening to it. Thank you all for listening and making it possible for us to keep on bringing out all of our episodes and having fun doing so. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.